This is WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your host, Rob Hessler. This is Art on the Air, an hour-long interview show dedicated to the visual arts community of Savannah. Hosted by artist and art advocate Rob Hessler. Each week we speak with the who's who of the Savannah art scene to get all of the details on the best art exhibitions, residencies, projects, stories, and events that our city has to offer. This includes long-form sit-down interviews and on-location field notes. From artists' first show in a cafe to career museum retrospectives and everything in between. Our weekly mission is to support and enhance the burgeoning Savannah art scene. If it's visual arts in Savannah, we've got you covered. Now here's your host, Rob Hessler. And this is Rob Hessler. It is Wednesday, 3 o'clock, time for Art on the Air. Got a really great episode lined up for you today. A very special episode all about the critique. Stopped over at Location Gallery and gathered five of the artists who are in the current Tape, Paper, Scissors, Print exhibition. Ahmad Jackson, Lori Darby, Excel Kiefer, Jordan Fitch Mooney, and artist and curator Peter Roberts, and we talked about the nature of critiques. We did a critique of a work by each of them, and then we talked about how we felt about it sort of after it was all said and done. I think it's a really interesting conversation that you guys are really going to enjoy hearing, both from the perspective of what a critique is all about, but then also I was really blown away by everything that I got to learn about these works, and so that was really great. And that is going to pretty much take us through the entire episode today. So I want to really quickly, normally I would do a community calendar at the end, but I just want to mention one quick event before we do this critique episode. This Saturday, December 14th, is the closing reception for the exhibition Inked. It features Curtis Bartone and Ujas Berzins whose work we absolutely love. It's down at the stables, the new hen house space at 7 Rathbourne Drive. It's happening from 6 to 9 p.m. Again, that's this Saturday, December 14th. You can find more information at the Facebook event page, but I think that's going to be a really great event. Things are starting to wind down here at the end of the year, so I really wanted to mention that one. It's sort of a special thing, and the stables just became the newer venue for the hen house And so it's a really great opportunity to kind of go and check out what they're doing over there. Kevin Clancy was a guest on the show recently and really love what he's doing there. So anyway, let's get into this episode all about the critique. Again, we've got five of the artists on here. We go through a work by each one of them and we really talk about the nature of critiques. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. And I'm hoping maybe this might inspire some of you to get together with some of your fellow artists and do some critique groups, perhaps an art on the air critique group. I don't know just yet. I'm thinking about it. We'll talk about that on a future episode. But here, listen up. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Rob Hessler here. We are at Location Gallery at the exhibition Tape, Paper, Scissors, Print. And we are going to be talking about critique and critiquing the work of five of the artists that are featured in this exhibition. Lori Darby, Ahmad Jackson, Excel Kiefer, Jordan Fitch Mooney, and Peter Roberts. So before we get started, y'all, let's talk a little bit about critique because I have a lot of experience with critique when I was in college and we did that in all of my classes, but not all of us have had that same experience. So let's talk about this. We'll start with you, Peter. You were mentioning when you first went to SCAD that you did a little bit of critique, but not a lot. Well, because my major was video, so it wasn't a standard critique. It was a standard critique of a two-dimensional plane. It was more a critique of production values. How did you get that shot? Why did you, why did you do that shot? Backlighting, you know, more of the production aspects. Um, I was 
kind of the same. Um, I attended SCAD in the early 2000s, uh, in graphic design, and it was the same, like, uh, critique-wise, it was um, technical. We were critiqued on our, the technicalities right, right. of the image or the product that we were, it wasn't so much the meaning of, a, of our work, but did we complete the tech class where it's like inches, how big, you know, the width, depth, things of that nature, if that makes sense, I'm not sure if it does. Yeah, it wasn't like, so like, here's your, you know, here's your piece of artwork mm -hmm. that's on the wall, it's more, it's more product oriented. It's product oriented, yes. And I think I come from a, a couple of different perspectives mm -hmm. because I come from the student perspective of having been critiqued as a student but then also having been a professor and, and leading a critique and sitting on graduate review committees and you know understanding critique in a, in a different kind of way. Um, I had a friend years ago who came to sit in on the critiques, the graduate critiques, and she said, um, it's interesting because different people bring different things to the critique. Some people critique in a very, um, talk about formal concepts only. And then some people come through and they talk about emotional or meaning. Some people talk about process. Mm. You know, it's just mm. the different people bring different things to the critiquing environment. Yeah, I was also in, you know, took art classes at my college and so it was pretty, Intense critiques sometimes that's very strong, like uh, some professors that could be pretty rough. Well, yeah, you were saying that one professor was would like go out and make people cry. Yeah, a printmaking professor that could really lay into some people sometimes. And uh, and I just remembered I had a, a kind of a scandalous critique one time because I hadn't finished a product, uh, finished a piece in a sculpture class beforehand, and I let the professor know that I was behind. And when we got to go do the critique. There was a bucket of pushpins sitting out, and she asked if it was anybody's, and I said, "Yeah, it's mine." And so she was like, "All right." And then I had to defend the bucket of pushpins oh. as a piece and play it off as a, a real thing, uh, and then write a paper explaining how I uh, was really going to make that my project. That's kind of prickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course Peter has uh, pun related pieces in mm -hmm. here part of his pundred series so it makes sense that you would make that excellent <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here all night <laughs> what about you Excel you mentioned that you didn't really have critique in, as a part of your no no I didn't do any art school I'm totally a self-taught artist so the critics uh, it's more like meeting the crowds and other artists and art galleries, directors and like having a return. But I'm noticing like hearing all of you guys, there's a big difference from friends and here. Mm. I notice like friends, the critic is mostly asked to the philosophy and the meaning of the piece. And here people really ask you questions about production, how you do this piece, the material use. And that's really too big difference. So usually when people are critic, I'm always thinking, oh, it's gonna be a philosophic very high end critic, and I didn't read all the philosopher and you know. Right, right. But <laughs> I always had this, you know, feeling that if 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 I didn't critique it myself or if I didn't have it evaluated critically then it was going to come out in the newspapers. Mm -hmm. You know, like the newspaper person would really critique it. Mm -hmm. And so I better know what I'm doing, you know, you, before you I get that To defend it. Right. Yes. Yes. Or to defend it or, yes. you know, yeah. yes. tell the whole and story. And I've had that yeah. happen a yeah. couple times where, you know, the review came out and it was... I, I mean, I, I knew all of that beforehand, but I took the risk. Uh -huh. You know, and the newspaper article said something that I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily think the public would have identified as rapidly or as readily. And so how did you leave it? I mean, how did you make you grow out of all? I did grow out of the critique in that I understood more that I had to be very clear about what my, because there, there, there's an assumption so a, a critic can come and make an assumption. Well, because they have their own bias. Right. right. And if it's mm -hmm. not, if I haven't written it in my artist statement or if I haven't verbalized it in any way, 
in like even the title card, if I haven't made the title, explain what I'm intending. Connect. It right. could be right. It could so be misinterpreted. It's mostly a, a issue of communication. Yes. 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 And so the older to have, I get, to the more the right the critic, I am at that. You have to to have the right critic. You have to be clear of your communication. Good intent. Yes. Yes. Do you think um, with the right, you know, with the right communication, then that will attract a, a critic that wants to review the show? I mean, because like, for instance, like, oh, wow, they've really got it. So, they've really got it, you know, together. And so, I, you know, I like that. So I'm going to go look at that show where as if uh, you're not going to get a critic that's not interested in the work. I would hope that would happen. Okay. I would say that that is true because, you know, I'm an artist, but I am also, you know, when I write for Do Savannah or invite people onto the radio show, it's because I look at the work and their idea and I think, okay, these things work out well together. Uh -huh. You know, I don't just have somebody on the show because out of some sort of, like I owe somebody or I feel, right. it, it has to really speak to me. And that includes, you know, all of you all who I have some knowledge of and some interest in your work anyway like if if the show isn't if the work isn't really speaking to me then I'm not gonna then I'm not necessarily gonna be there and I think that what you what you're saying there I think when there is that synergy between like what is being said what is being done on the wall and even um, when, the, when the materials and the methods that are being used work with the concept that's mm -hmm. like when that marries perfectly oh, yeah. together mm -hmm. then I'm like even if it's not something I'm necessarily interested in on a personal level, then I might, as like a, in my media side, want to cover it because I'm like, wow, this is so well done. You mean right. like tape, paper, scissors, print? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Tell them what it is. You know? yeah. I'm curious if anybody goes to other artists to show them their work and give critique now. Um, so it does happen sometimes with that maybe because of my role also as a gallery director yeah, yeah. you know mm -hmm. yeah. there are at least two critique groups in Savannah there's one that operates at <coughs> the studio school mm -hmm. and then there's the photo group critique the monthly photo group critique yeah. over at Sulphur right. Studios mm -hmm. they've been going for yeah. years uh, now because I have yeah, a, I have a in house critique that goes along oh between the two yeah, yeah. Okay. we have the yeah. in house back and forth <laughs> critique yeah well, See, that's, and that's nice that you have that. That's yeah. nice that you have that connection because there's also a connection in your work I, it, mm -hmm, ideologically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, some of us don't have that benefit. Mm -hmm. well, sometimes it's not easy because as I know you personally, yeah. it influences my way to critique your work too. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have somebody from outside. Yeah, that's true. You know, it just it depends because like with me personally, I have a group of friends, Peter knows yeah. them all, and they're all artists and it's all different disciplines and they can be brutal. <laughs> and I don't Those know. Guys? Oh no. It's, they no. can be they can be brutal. <laughs> Even though we're friends, but that's what you look for because you'd rather have let them bring it to you first, like the criticism and what you can do better, maybe do this, think about this before you put it out to the world. Right. Also too, yeah. like don't yeah. bring stuff that's half baked because exactly. they that that's where it's always an epic fail. Mm -hmm. Well, and negative feedback in that sense can be a positive because, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Well, maybe it's not everybody. No, but no, I mean, like halfway done. You know, yeah, because yeah. Don't bring a finished product. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. To the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also just that thing, you know, like we all are busy, and you maybe have a hundred projects, and you're rushing to finish a work, and maybe it's not quite all That's the way tight, to where you right. know it needs mm -hmm, to right. be, right. but then you show it out there because you're like, oh, deadline's up, I gotta do this, TikTok. but you know, <laughs> you know deep, in, deep inside of you that there is some flaw, and it's much better to hear that from somebody that you know before you, you know, put it out there in public. Yeah. You're listening to Art on the Air with host Rob Hessler on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Now back to the show. Well, why don't we take a step in front and take a look at some of these pieces. We're going to talk now about one piece from each of the artists here, and we will kind of delve deep into that. I've posted these images up on the Art on the Air Facebook page, so you can take a look at them as you're um, listening in. Also, on if you're listening to this from the Do Savannah website, you can see that on Do Savannah with 
the embedded recording as well. So let's take a look at these images. We're gonna start with this piece by Peter Roberts. It's called Big Wigs. It's a paper cut assemblage piece. Why don't you just kind of start by describing what you've done here, Peter, and then we can kind of dive into what we're seeing as outside. Okay, well, it's a 20 by 20 shadow box. Um, uh, the paper that I use is a metallic paper that has a grain to it. So I'm able to turn the paper on different biases and get movement. As, as if the more you look at it, the more you see it. it looks like it's different colors, but it's not. Oh. It's actually the same paper okay. because the paper has a, a grain and a weave to it. So it's gonna hit the light a little bit differently. This series that I have here now, I, I'm doing a series called The Pundred Project and those are normally 12 by 12, but for this show, I decided to go larger to the 20 by 20 um, and do the puns about scale. So they're meta and mega, they're meta mega. <laughs> well, I'll get us started and I'll just say the first thing that stands out to me is the craftsmanship. I mean, I think that obviously there are, if you want to get in there with a microscope, you can see minor imperfections, but for the most part, yeah. walking up to look and looking at it, the craftsmanship is top notch. So, and I think that's a really important part of walking up to a work as, especially as another artist, is seeing is the craftsmanship up to par because that's the first thing I think any of us are going to look at. It's the first detractor. Right. Yeah. If the craftsmanship is not there, you kind of dismiss, I mean, well, not totally dismiss, but sometimes I'll just kind of dismiss some of the concept. Right? You float yeah. off. Yeah. 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 But the, definitely in this piece, the craftsmanship is really strong. Well, I decided to do a square background with the rounded shapes just to push out the foreground elements more. So kind of a, a dimensional contrast. When I saw this piece of the show, one of the things that struck me about the pieces, they have a 70s, like an early 70s feel to them. Like I keep thinking about the, the pieces that you have that have Batman or you know, some of those characters, not characters, but um, reference to mm -hmm. that. And this piece also has that reference that the styles of hair, the fact that the, the way the women are standing, the fact that they feel like Barbie dolls or they feel like little caricatures. You know, we're talking about this one piece, but I also think this is kind of an interesting part of the discussion is that, you know, Peter, you mentioned that there's that this is a, a part of a greater collection of works. And if you look around the gallery, you can see a number of other pieces that Peter has done and they all fit together. And I think that's also kind of a something that is important to think about when you're in a show as well is like, it's not just your, you know, you're gonna look at a piece, but if it's, you're going from one piece and you're completely jarred going to the next piece, that can be off-putting as well. And these kind of work yeah. together. There's, there's a synergy between the pieces. Like, they're it, just over top of it is stacked another one called Large and in Charge. It's this gold color, which is so re far removed from this pewter color that you've got on Big Wig, but you know that they make, they make sense together, not just because the size and everything. Well, that's a part of it, but all of the, they just, they make sense as a unit. The choice of the metallic seems very um, planned. Well, it is a paper that so, I use. So, so that platinum. It's actually called chocolate silver. Okay, <laughs> it but it brown. feels like yeah, okay, but it feels like a platinum. Yeah. And I think about a platinum blonde. Right, right, right. You know, so. <clears throat> well, I think the big, you know, it's called big wigs, and you know, the late '60s, early '70s. Wig-wearing time, mm -hmm. so maybe that was still where I pulled it from. Yeah. And who doesn't love like drawing a beehive? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to kind of ask um, Ahmad and Excel, the two of you in your works, you're doing a lot of, um, there's like cutting and tearing in particular. You actually, Excel, are doing some pretty fine cutouts. I mean, how are you responding sort of to the detail here? I'm very impressed by the cutting of Peter. <laughs> it's like very steady hand. Like really, like all the geometric and graphic. Um, it's very meditative. I, I don't know how you do. Um, if you do a piece in one shot, like 
the background in one time you try to make it I kind of move around after I get you know a little like I'm tired of cutting those L's <laughs> you get recommend for those or is that actually what I do is I draw it all in vector mm -hmm. and then I plot it out with a rotary cutter so it'll, it will score it it doesn't cut it all the way through so a lot of exacto blades I have micro shears that I can go in and carve some of the edges and then you know the really tricky part is the glue down because you have to get you have to make sure that that's exactly where it needs to go, otherwise it throws off the rest of the gluing. But the paper you use is pretty it's thick. It's thick. It's like it's a, thick, it's a, so yeah. when you glue it, you don't have any issue no with, with right. weakling and all the humidity here in Savannah right. don't have any influence in your right. paper. But I will, I, will, I will flatten it with books. Oh, I, I do that too. You know, just to give it more rigidity after the, and yeah. the glue I use is a 15 second cure. So it allows you to, you know, move it mm -hmm. as you need to because glue slides. Mm -hmm. So. I think another thing that's, that you can see in this and a lot of the work by all of you here is that you can see the amount of work that goes into it. So the, I, I don't mean to sort of under, underestimate the viewing audience but people who are not artists don't necessarily they can walk up to a drawing or a painting or something like that and say why is this a thousand dollars and not think well that person probably took 500 hours to paint that painting right and you're like really when they're making two dollars an hour on that painting right? <laughs> question right the price right. right but what's good about what's nice about this is that it showed the work is very clear like so you can see where the hand touched the paper and went happen in the work and I think that there's something valuable about that like as an artistic medium. I really enjoy the craftsmanship and especially the background because it gives that depth, that 3D effect and you see like if you just look from the top right corner how it flows to the bottom left, especially with the lighting, you can get that glittery mm -hmm. type of feel, um, that glamorous look. Well paper it does the paper does do a lot of work, and the paper doesn't. Yeah, I really what I really like at Peter works is he play with light, yes. how light hit the paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty impressive. Like, it reminds me like a French painter like Pierre Soulage. Oh. He, he, yeah, he paint just big black painting, but the painting are not completely black because he paint with the light reflection on the black painting. So it, wow. <laughs> so it reminds me like how you play with a different cut of the same paper and how you play with the light to give all this um, graphic and feeling to it. It's like, yeah. There's a similarity yeah. between the, what, you're, what you do in your work, the elevation mm -hmm. of those pieces, and what you're doing in terms of suspending Mm -hmm. and then playing on the shadow, mm -hmm. you know, the depth of the piece. And then that fact that you put it in the shadow box reinforces that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted people to feel like, you know, they're getting a little bit of a trophy, maybe. Like, <laughs> shadow, like a memento, maybe, in the shadow box. Well, I think on that note, why don't we step over to one of Excel's pieces, because it would... I think that they are visually so different from each other, but I like the comparison that you made. All right, so now we're standing in front of Excel Kiefer's piece. Excel, you're gonna have to say what the name of this piece is because I can't pronounce oh, that. Oh, the title is Au Seuil de Lubli. Look, it's a series I made, and it means, even in English, if I translate it, like on the threshold of for forgetfulness. On the threshold of forgetfulness. Yeah, so those pieces are about memory and how memory works. And I'm, it's been 10 years I'm in the US and I'm starting to feel like my French identity is being eating away slowly. And so I wanted to do some pieces uh, with American material, material that I found here in the South, like old paper and old wallpaper like to confront like my memory with the memory of, um, of the US. So that's why there's like a lot of tiny, tiny cut and the images kind of, the portraits are eating away. It's like how, yeah, how memories kind of make things blurry and how you try to remember and fight this. It's, 
it's, it's a lot of questions I'm asking myself about um, the confrontation of uh, my identity and living in another country. Well, and I think this is one of those cases where we're talking about critiques in general, how having access to a, an artist statement or some knowledge about what's going on here, it really enhances the piece. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I like looking at it for what it is, right. but it's like as soon as you start talking about memory and there's like these little pieces and you can't, it's hard to put together like what we're seeing, but like once you're, when you talk mm -hmm. about it, it makes the piece really come together, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit, um, I try to work on the processing of a grieving of part of my French identity and how to embrace my new identity being in the US. So I'm using paper really that I find here and with memory, yeah. So it's, try, no, it's I, I'm trying to experiment. Yeah, no, I, so I don't know if no, it, it's, it, it it's goes... really, I mean, I think it's really good. The first thing I noticed were the silhouettes in the background. So the cutouts. So the first thing I was like, oh, it's maybe someone is not in your life anymore and you don't mm. want to forget that person. And so I felt that right away. Oh, good. Well, yes. and then the mm -hmm. traditional method of silhouette making yeah. as well, but they're, it's, not a, it's, not a, um, it's not a profile. No, exactly. No, you know, it's a bit then, like a ghost, the, a ghost the, memory yes, that print about... It's like I have memories of some photos, and when I retrieve the photos, I'm like, oh, it doesn't match the memory I have mm. of the thing. So I try with the medium of paper how to translate this feeling of fading memory and how you kind of fight like keeping your memory for yourself. So that's why I'm doing this all tiny, tiny cut and that kind of gone green. Well, right, and I love, I love that you like you've used inverse bl black spots to give it a very a like, very much a flow a very much a flow you know because how memory seeps back in it, it sort of flows back in on these little points you know it's very it's very liquid and it's paper mm. jordan i'm curious what you think about this because <laughs> jordan for those who don't know jordan fitch mooney and XL Kiefer are partners, and so they live together. So Jordan, you're seeing this work, and we were coming to it sort of with fresh eyes, and like we didn't know what was going on here. You've recently traveled with Excel to France, and you so you're kind of living this out with her to a certain extent. Hearing now some responses to it, how do you kind of see this work, maybe in similar to us, and maybe different as well? Well, it's a little different for me because um, I kind of, see the, the germ of the idea uh, long before a lot of times, it, or as it's developed because we're having all these conversations of what we've been reading and what we've been looking at and everything and, and talking through is something that we've, we had talked through a lot um, about the idea, like Oxella telling me these ideas that she was working on and I would kind of give her feedback or what I thought, how she was um, like expressing that or, or whatnot, how that would come through. Um, and she would then disappear into the studio and come back with something even more amazing, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Then I, then I, you know, sometimes I don't see where that conversation is until later, and then she has a bunch of pieces of it, and I'm like, oh, there's, there's that idea that we were talking about that Axel was kind of telling me about. Yeah, it's 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 always amazing to see them come to fruition and how they get. You know, put together in different ways. Let me ask you about your presentation, Excel, because I, I've always been interested in the way that you present your works. There's no glass. It's in a, I guess you might call it a shadow box. It's got these thick eight ply mats. Uh, the shadow box is to, uh, in, to um, increase the feeling of memory. You know, like all those old black Maria for the movies. Mm -hmm. You go into a shadow box and see kind of reflection of the image, so a reflection of your memory. Mm -hmm. This is how I feel. And usually I don't put my collage on the glass because um, I feel it's, it cut a bit the feeling of the texture of the paper. And I know the paper I use are very not thick, I mean like very, uh, it's very fragile. So there's a lot of imperfection but I work with the imperfection of the paper, like, like no memory is perfect, no. 
I like that contrast, though, because we were just talking about Peters. This is as detailed as the work that we were just talking about of Peter Roberts, but the, like you said, there's the paper's thinner, so there's waves in the paper from the glue, which you can't, you know, get around. You've, and you're kind of talking, and you've also used, there's some cuts, but there's also some tears, and you can kind of see some of that. And we're going to see some tearing in Ahmad Jackson's work here, which I want to talk about next. But I think that that's, it's interesting because we, like I said, it's as detailed, but it's, you're using different techniques and you're also, whereas Peter's like controlling every single little feature of it, you're kind of letting, you're letting go of control to a certain extent. The fragmentation is very organic, Mm -hmm. whereas yours is very, more industrial geometric, which is, you know, it's it's interesting. Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, I'm just giving you a joke. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're giving us emotional quality, you know, on, a, on another on another scale, you know. Yet within the context of the overall exhibition, they do fit together, yes. and I think that's when right. that's when you know something is right is happening. Yeah. You're listening to Art on the Air with your host Rob Hessler on WRUULP Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. This is our special episode all about the critique. We're going to take a quick break here for a couple of quick messages. And when we return, we'll jump right into talking about a piece by Ahmad Jackson. Be right back. Art on the Air is brought to you by Starlandia Supply. Located in the heart of the Starland District of Savannah at 2438 Bull Street. Starlandia Supply works to make art making more accessible to everyone by lowering the price of supplies through reclamation and trading. Starlandia helps customers recycle gently used art supplies and materials and also carries a fine selection of new materials including Windsor Newton, Liquitex, Faber-Castle, Montana Spray Paints, and Copics. Moreover, Starlandia Supply is the only locally owned art store in Savannah. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. More information can be found on Facebook by searching Starlandia Supply or at starlandiasupply.com. Shop local. Shop Starlandia Supply. Telfair Museums will present the 25th annual I Have Marks to Make exhibit featuring works by individuals of diverse ages, backgrounds, and abilities. The exhibit will be on display at the Telferis Jepson Center for the Arts from December 8th through January 12th. More information is available at telfair.org. All right, so we're going to be talking about Ahmad Jackson's piece, See You Again. Ahmad, why don't you tell us what we're looking at here? So this is some uh, mixed-media photographing on wood panel. And so what we're looking at is a photo of a a baby bird that, that died, that flew into a window right in front of me, Ooh. and it died, and I took a photograph, and I started to think about uh, how life is precious, and how things can just be taken away in, in an instant, and so I just had the idea of tearing this particular photograph, this particular image out, uh, to paste it on panel, and uh, write just my thoughts down in this particular Piece is if I live righteous, will I see you again? Which uh, is about my mother that passed away, and you know, I miss her very much. And I'm always thinking about her, and she's very religious. I come from a religious family, so I hope one day if I live right, I'll hopefully get to see her again. When you look at it, and I think all of us will probably would agree with this. It's, it's obviously super personal. Like you can just see and feel that it's really super personal. And I think it's interesting you're talking about the depth of what is going on and what you're thinking about with with your mother and then right over top of that is another piece and it's called by gamer and i see up up down down left right left right ba start yes. and i i know that code I, as soon as i saw it i was like okay i remember that from video games so you have this like you know really sort of tender connection to your mother here and then there's this other kind of um Nostalgic mm-hmm. sort of feel, but talk a little bit about well, that. Well, that piece is uh, dedicated in, as we talked about before, sometimes titles of pieces can help you relate or understand what the piece is about. So this particular piece is 
uh, a dedication to the young lady that was killed at 2 a.m. when she was playing video games mm-hmm. with her nephew. With her nephew. Oh, right, right, I don't know right, if you, right, right, know if you right, remember right, the story, right. but she was playing Nintendo or Sega, or she was playing video games with her nephew. The police shot through the window, killed her. Right. This particular code right here is from Contra. Mm-hmm. Old video game from the 1980s, and if you put this code in, you get an extra life. Oh. So it's all about man. If she had, if we had a code in real life, we can use this code to bring this young lady back that was in her home, just being an auntie, yeah. and her life was struck. She was struck down in her prime. She was maybe 28 years mm-hmm. old. Right. I will say mm-hmm. this about: I am always impressed by how crisp your photographic style is. I mean. The yeah. shadow and the highlight on the bird is just to me incredible. Well, it's like you got foreground, middle ground, and background with only two planes. It's awesome. Yeah, and the reason why, I, and I just for our listeners, the reason why I mentioned the other pieces because Ahmad is using the same bird mm-hmm. in each of the pieces. They're very similar formatting wise, but there's a different idea represented in each one. And I think that's something that's really interesting too about the works. Well, even if it's the same bird, as the background is different color, it gives a different texture and even sometimes... A different feel. A different yeah. feel and position of the bird. So you have to look several times like, oh no, it's, it's the same bird, but no. Each piece has a different feeling to it and a different message to it. Well, now knowing it flew into the window, <laughs> you know, the t- you know, sort of the... When I first saw them, I was like, oh wow, vignettes, you know, because you vignetted the bird. But now that I know it was a window, it looks like the piece of the window that it may have broken. Huh. Exactly. Mm, good point. And it's just, you know, a window is, is clear. You didn't see it. Right. And, and that's what happens that's in life. Things, you don't see it coming. We don't see right. it. Yeah. And the same, this bird can see the window. So that was my thought process. As I was and and it, it's interesting. My, uh, my mother recently passed. Mm-hmm. And there was... Um, there's you always feel like you're getting these messages mm-hmm. from you know what the other world and I felt like there was a little bird who kept showing up it was a little bird that I always looked for mm-hmm. but it's a really really rare rare bird mm-hmm. and so whenever I see it my heart jumps like something's mm-hmm. gonna happen and this little bird is telling me but it's not specifically telling me what it is mm-hmm. and uh, this little bird reminds me of that bird it's a, it's a Carolina bluebird, mm-hmm. and I only see it when something happens. Usually something happens, but um, that's, and, and that when I saw the, sh- the piece in the show, that's the first thing that I thought that, you know, that little bird is foretelling something. You know, often people talk about little birds, or there was a bird on my shoulder, or, you know, the little bluebird that gives you the message or whatever. Well, it's interesting, and I this is making me, as we're talking about this, wish that like every time I went to an exhibition that I could have these kind of conversations <laughs> because I think that in each of these cases, it's, you know, the, and I, I say this all the time, is that, you know, when people go to gallery shows, they say, the statistics say that people spend between three and five seconds in front of each piece. And, like, that is such one of the most saddest statistics I can ever mm-hmm. think of considering the amount of work energy and emotion that goes into these works but I have a feeling that if people knew the stories behind these pieces that they would not spend three to five seconds in it because then they would start to contemplate like you mentioned Lori you it brought you to thinking about your mother standing in front of this piece as Ahmad is talking about his mother and that and that and, and me too I'm standing here and I'm starting to think of people that have passed and it has that it draws you in and you can stand there for you're going to stand there for a lot longer than that statistic would say, right? But most of the time, the public doesn't want to hear your superhero origin story. <laughs> <laughs> but those movies are always the most popular. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a step over now and take a look at. Um, let's take a look at yours, Jordan. Why don't we choose one of your pieces here? So we're looking at Jordan Fitch Mooney's piece, The Duel. What are we looking at here? Um, so there's a couple things going on. It's, um, so for a while I didn't have uh, access to a press until I met Lori and she let me start using a press. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the things you can do as a printmaker without having a press is, is monotype printing. Um, 
And so uh, I was also trying to step back a little bit from doing things that were more directly representational because I've always liked the idea of the, the aleatorian art where like an, a mistake can direct um, where you go with something. Um, and so I had messed up something I was actually working on and just started making more shapes and things, um, trying to be a little more abstract um, and cycling through kind of ideas and images that I had. And I started getting into the series of, um, of this like dual face, dual uh, person. Um, and I realized that sometimes, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but sometimes I'll start making an image that's just flashing to me and start thinking, why is that image so important to me? Go back and realize it's connected to something I've been talking about or thinking about a lot. And I've been reading a lot of books where there is a, um, like the double by Saramago or um, this, the concept of there being a second person um, that's just like you. And also the fact that we all essentially have to create a second persona a lot of times now. Um, you have the person you are in real life and then also the person that you have to create in your online persona all the time. And those don't always match up, but people are always presenting one character to everybody else in the world on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. And you're having to keep up this persona all the time. And it's not necessarily you, but it's you're performing. Well, I'm going to just say this because I had a totally different viewing of this. And I like that, actually. So I interviewed you somewhat recently. And we, you ha I had you on the radio show in uh, the studio. And you talked about your religious upbringing. Uh, and then you kind of have talked about your now. And then we were talking with Excel and she was talking about her French background and she was talking about how she's sort of losing that to becoming an American. So I was immediately putting together like your past and your present rather than thinking of it in those terms. But I also think that that's kind of cool too. Like that as a viewer, like I can come up to it and have a different experience that is also interesting and then you can share your intent behind it and it can be something else that's also cool and like that I can kind of get into and, and makes me take a second look at it. Yeah. Other, you know, I mean, I like, there's a quote from Italo Calvino, the writer, who says, it's not the voice that commands the story, it's the ear. So I've always mm. liked that idea. It's like, no matter what mm -hmm. I, I think I'm saying, somebody else is going to have a different reaction to it. And I kind of like that idea too. The, um, there was a thing I was reading about that said, I think the way you pronounce it is paradoia, or paradolia, and it's um, the idea that you see things and stuff uh, that's not necessarily there, like people that see like a face and a car grill and things like that. Or, yeah, Jesus in the test. Yeah, and yeah. so kind of leaving that by not being very specific with, you know, facial features and things like that, that people can see what they want a little more um, in something. Well, and then just. Like this one, when I first saw the, the one that's too below, I immediately said, wow, teratoma. You know what teratoma is? Teratoma. Teratoma is um, basically, you know, when we're, you know, first, first the little, you know, embryo, mm -hmm. that there's a higher percentage of us that start off as twins. Right. And so you absorb, most people absorb their twin as one baby. Yeah. But then there's these weird things that happen to some people, like there's a, a body part growing out. Or, and, and then also the idea of um, there's some like some DNA stuff that the, they're not syncing up because their RNA and DNA are twisted up with yeah. another you twin. Like, so yeah, it's yeah. you used to have the umbilical cords right. in between the two faces. Right. It's like here and here and here you have like in the same movement right. the two pieces, the two you two beings are still attached together in right. this face. Yeah. And it's done in one movement. You can feel it like it's like very strongly touched. <laughs> well I wonder though like when you're saying that, and I see it, I see exactly what you mean, but I also wonder, knowing Jordan's work, if I would see something that is sort of strange and slightly disturbing because 
his work often has past history a little bit of that yeah. in it right yeah. so like we yeah. bring our own biases but also like over time especially i mean you guys have had Dance Macabre was not long ago, the exhibition, right, right, so right. you're kind of in our consciousness already, yeah. and then we're looking at this, and it's like, maybe we're, I we're, mean, we're I going think there immediately, like, more, right. or at least very right. more likely to see that. Right. Mm. Right. I can't discount anything. There's like a constant soup of things. Neither like, confirm nor deny. Yeah, that sometimes, you know, <laughs> things pour out. And, uh, well, what do you think, Amad? Do you know Jordan's work at all? Um, not see that's I want to ask. I want to ask because, but I don't know. If, like even if Peter felt like sometimes when I first see works, I look at technique, and I don't know if that's because of graphic design, design, right. production, production right. So I was like, man, that's like a travel. Uh, you know, I had this like travel thing in my head. Like I was like, oh, I wonder. Like when, the, when we had the opening, I was like, man, I wonder who's this. You know, you know I was trying to picture the artist right. because. As soon as I saw it, I said, is this something about split personality? Oh, right. That was like the first thing that came to me. Then I started looking at like, did he do it with his fingers? Is this a, you know, because of the motion mm -hmm. in the piece? And, and it can either be, you know, when looking at it, is, is it thoughts coming in? Is it thoughts going out? So all of that was staring around in my head when I was looking at each piece. It's for the, uh, the one of a kind. I was like, man, is it two babies? Connected by, you know, an umbilical. And I was like, man, that's really, you know, thoughtful of him. So you yeah. did see that then. So that is, yeah. that's the perfect way then to sort of test that theory because you, you not knowing his work, yeah. saw right. that. So. Right. Well, also too, like, because of the, the depth that you have with your stroke, I, like, I just instinctively, like, just want to peel this back and see what's underneath there. <laughs> You know, because it just has that, you just want to get in there type of feel. You're listening to Art on the Air with host Rob Hessler on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Now back to the show. Well, let's move to our final artist and final piece. All right, so this is also a printmaking piece, Laura Darby, Summer Garden, but this is an entirely different technique than what we were just talking about with Jordan Fitch Mooney. Laurie, why don't you tell us what we're looking at? Uh, well, what you're looking at is a print. It is a relief print uh, done in linoleum, and it is done in several layers. So it's called reduction printmaking. So I'll start off with the yellow layer, and then I'll do the bright green, and then the pink, and then um, then the darker green, and then the red, or the red, and then the darker green. So the piece is occurring in multiple layers. I was trained as a, as a painter, and so my goal has, with printmaking, and I just started printmaking seriously within the last three to five years, and uh, my goal has been to try to get it as close to painting as possible. Mm. So the inclusion of various layers, the thickness of the ink, mixing the ink to certain colors, all of that. Um, but I also like the flowers. I focus on, you know, I, I used to do, I was very figurative. I, I got my master's degree being very figurative. And I see flowers like they're human beings. So I see them like little people, like they have personalities and they, they um, they interact with one another um, because certain flowers grow better next to other flowers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you group flowers in a garden according to who grows better um, close to each other. Uh, I'm a transplant from Philadelphia. And so when I moved, my family line though is from here. And I went to see the grave site of all my ancestors from you know 1800s or whatever. And the first thing I noticed was they were planting lilies around. So mm. those lilies are all still planted around the gravesite. Mm. And so that's what first connected me to trying to produce flowers and imagery. Again, I mean, I think one of the things is the technical aspect of it is so well done. I mean, and you're talking about using multiple colors. There's a lot of detail in it. I think, you know, there are bold colors that kind of draw you in, but then there is a ton of detail going in. 
and the way that you've sort of used the various layers of color to, to help enhance and bring out that detail. Um, it's really well done. You might only have been doing the printmaking for a couple of years, but I know we know you have cobblestone press, so that's yeah. a, your printmaking studio, which we already talked about um, Jordan as utilized before. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, yeah, I mean, like first thing, first thing, first and foremost is, you, is that you're not losing as a viewer, you're not losing anything by saying, oh, there's something off here or something off there. First and foremost, it's technically sound. Well, and now that I know that your MFA was in painting, I definitely see your hand in your palette. Yeah. I, I mean, I like your, your, your range of tones, but staying in the same family is amazing. It's interesting because a lot of times printmakers talk about line. Right. Whereas I'm forever thinking about color. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? yeah. So we get into discussions like, oh, I want to talk about the color. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's great. Yes, because I, I thought it was a painting. Okay. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to Quant Sienna Christmas. Oh, I was like, man, that's a really good painting. And you said, oh, it's, it's a press. Yeah. A piece of, oh, yeah. it's printmaking. So, I mean, I was formally, I, mean, I had formal training yes. in printmaking, but in terms of, like, you know, the intricacy and, and trying to do the reduction print, it has taken a lot of time to, like, really figure out how to line those things up. And so you had five or six pulls on that? Five. Five. Wow. Well, that I think... Some patient stuff. Yeah, registering, <laughs> registering that kind yeah. of thing is wow, yeah. big pain. <laughs> One of the things I think is interesting too is that like we've the first three artists that we talked to, Peter Roberts, Ahmad Jackson, and XL Kiefer, all three of you were cutting or tearing paper. Mm -hmm. There is intricate cutting going in here, but you don't actually see the cutting no. because the print in what it is gets rid of the, the cutting you don't notice it but a linoleum cut or a lino cut is yeah super detailed <laughs> super hard and sometimes i lose the lines in the sink you know like if i'm washing in between layers i'm like oh no there goes a line <laughs> but, <laughs> but i enjoy that obsessive cutting well and i think it's interesting too and i wonder so we're critiquing from the perspective of artists so like we see the work that goes into it, yeah. but I, I wonder it's, it's it's such a different experience for somebody that doesn't know what uh, what goes into making right. the final cut. You know, they don't they don't know that you had to do all of that. They just see the final image, and I, I always, because when I look at artwork, I am absolutely nerding out on process. Like I just look at it, and I'm like, even if it's not something that I do, I'm like, I can see every second of time that went into it yeah. like oh my god wow i've seen that frank stella show at the museum oh, yeah. three or four times now i keep going i keep going in like yeah. sunday night <laughs> you know wow yeah. how's that done wow look at that how they do that yeah yeah this show so it's, it's really a good show it's really yeah, a good it, show it makes so so many techniques of printing and collage and mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's insane. insane. <laughs> multiple layering. It's, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm really... I'm, and then, you know, I mean, there's there's the history of it. So yeah. there's the... The printmaking has, mm -hmm. I think, really come alive in the city recently. Mm. I think you know? Right. Yeah. So there's a print yeah. show up at the stables. There's a, you know, um, Frank Stella at the museum. There's now print, you know, area there. So I think... Printmaking is starting to make a, a life here in Savannah. Hopefully mm -hmm. Cobblestone is helping that happen. I well, so. I mean, <laughs> they had the Rembrandt etching show earlier this yeah. year. Yes, wow, and so. that, was, that was incredible also. Yeah. I think a lot of times printmaking is, is very hard for people to grasp because it's such like a technical process in a way. Um, that I feel like whenever I try to explain to somebody how it works, it's like, no, you do what? And then you have to do... That, yeah. How many times? What? How does yeah. that work? Yeah. Well, but I also would say on the other end of it, I've done some printmaking as people like are think of it as like, oh, well, you can make copies of it, so it's somehow lesser than. Yeah. In yeah. a way, like photography is, and it's, but it's not. I mean, it's yeah. like the, the time and effort yeah. that goes into yeah. it is, uh, you know. Uh, and there's a time limit to you cutting, like a linocut or etching. 
it doesn't last forever for what I understand like when you clean the plate there's like more marks showing I mean it's it's a medium that evolutes with time too and with yeah. so more print you're doing less I mean you have all this tiny change too so it's like marking the time passing too and right that's that's pretty Beautiful, well, I yeah. Think. Yeah. And I, I'm a hack. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. one of those people who I just work, 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 work. I'm always making new stuff, you know, constantly making new stuff. And for me, if I'm not working on something new, the uh, I, I don't I tire of pieces quickly. So time limit wise, if it's not done, if I can't get that image out of my head within a certain period of time, I'm I'm, I'm on to something different. Mm -hmm. Well, let's transition now to kind of, we've gone through all of the pieces. Let's talk a little bit about the critique. Positives, negatives, what do you guys think about that? I, I think it's healthy. Yeah, I think it is too. I think it's healthy to hear from your peers, to be able to do it in person, mm -hmm. to be able to, as a, I guess, best friends, yeah. as in, as in, and competitors a little bit, <laughs> to, to see each other's work and uh, maybe try to figure out the magic behind someone's piece. If that makes sense, like the story, the you know, sometimes someone asks me, Matt, you know, they ask me how, well, how did you do this piece, and how did you produce this, and I say, well, it's the magic. <laughs> sometimes you have to feel comfortable around, yeah, you know, yeah, to be able to talk about things because that's the only way you would get honesty. Yeah. Well, know? and also too, a lot of people don't really want to know the full story. Mm -hmm. You know, they just want the snippet. They want the ten second. Yeah. How'd you do that? Blah, 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 blah. But yeah. do I think yeah. artists do want the story? I mean, artists, artists do. Yeah, yeah artists. artists. And I think that there's certain people. Yeah, I think that, yeah, and I think certain people. I think that yeah. there's a other creators tend to mm -hmm. like writers tend to want to go back, musicians, you know, who also have a process that they go through. You know, I, I know for me, as I get older and older, I critique less and less. Because it just people are just not as available to me. Mm -hmm. Time is not as available, mm -hmm. and so you know, being in the critiquing process is something that I like really crave. So being able to critique is really a wonderful thing. Well, so what I think is interesting, like I, we didn't critique any of uh, like a piece of mine here, but it's one of the things I've noticed as being a radio show host as well as an artist is that. I've been exposed to just more and more and more, and I've become more interested and more appreciative of artistic styles and ways of doing things that I never was before. I kind of discounted them because I didn't really, I made that, there's all of those same judgments and saying, oh, that's easy, or that doesn't take too long, or that's just whatever, there's no real meaning behind that. And then I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, some really deep and powerful story behind it, or or there's a lot more work than I realize that goes into it, and it helps me sort of gain some respect. And as we're just even talking about these works, I can't help but feel more interested in every piece that we've talked about. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, that's true. I think that uh, one thing I will say about the show is that the curatorial aspect of it, that these, there's such a variety of, of applications, but for all of them to come together, it becomes a narrative. It becomes a story about how pieces are made or how how works the variety of works on paper. You know, or works so, of paper. Or works of paper. Yeah. So I mean And and everybody cuts. <laughs> We're gonna wrap up now. Lori Darby, Ahmad Jackson, Excel Kiefer, Jordan Fitch Mooney, and Peter Roberts. Thank you so much for being on Art on the Air, our special critique episode. The exhibition, Tape, Paper, Scissors, Print, is up through December 20th. And you can also vote for your favorite nonprofit for which this will benefit at locationgallery.net. Thank you all for being on the show today. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at wruu.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. 
We'll talk to you next week where we'll have another batch of art on the air. <laughs>